the Drunk on Light podcast, the podcast that is here to remind you that there is always light at the end of the tunnel, even in the darkest of moments, to tell you that you are not alone. This podcast is for the creative who wants to share their passion with the world, for the feminist who is looking for a community of badass women, for the one who is healing, for the light worker who wants to heal the world, and for the one who loves all things spirituality. I'm your host, Aisha Noor, and I'm a poet, mental health advocate, feminist, and spiritual junkie. Together, we'll be breaking barriers, smashing stigmas, learning light lessons, and keeping it real. light lovers and welcome back to the drunk on light podcast today's episode is an interview with melissa moffett she is a yogi who just does a lot of really cool things she has guided meditations um, a growth guide and she is releasing a worthiness course which is starting on march 18th and her meditations are like the absolute best i've been using them every day for i don't even know how many months and they've changed my life. And yeah, we um, are going to talk about all things worthiness and and just all the giggles. So if you hear me laughing a lot, it's because um, this was an amazing, totally inspiring, hilarious conversation. She's a total badass queen. And yeah, okay, I'm going to stop fangirling now and let you guys get straight into the episode. So one thing I've taken to asking all of my guests is what does being drunk on light mean slash look like for you in your life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say it means quite a few things, but following the things that really bring a lot of happiness into my life and I think a lot of times we can feel kind of selfish with wanting to do things that make us happy, but I don't think that's really the case because when we're taking time to make ourselves happy, that that oftentimes is stuff that will make other people happy as well. So like spending time with, with friends and family and making sure that those relationships are like healthy and good and that we're wanting to do things for other people. Um, I love being out in nature so much like that's a huge a huge part of what brings light into my life um I love traveling (laughs) a lot I've been traveling a lot recently and that just brings so much inspiration like getting to meet people and seeing new places and through all of that it's more and more really made me want to those are all things that make me purpose make me happy almost like selfishly but at the same time they also make me want to do more things for others so it's also making making me a lot happier being able to like have my own podcast and share on the internet and um you know i'm trying to find more and more ways to give back and that's really that really makes me happy and that makes me feel drunk on light yeah Yeah. nature is a big one for me too because 
you know, you have to fill your own cup before you can fill others. And a lot of these statements, you know, especially in the spiritual wellness community are so cliche, but I think cliches aren't necessarily a bad thing. Like they're cliches for a reason. I don't think so either. Like, I mean, of course there's other ways to say it. I think cliche is like the term where it's like, you've heard it a million times. Well, you hear it a million times because a lot of times it's really true, (laughs) you know, and we can find other ways to say things, but I mean, if it's not, what was the, what's the cliche? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, did you have an aha moment when it came to realizing you needed to like heal your worthiness wound? I can just give an example so that it might make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my aha moment just like a few weeks ago because I think we hear about self-love a lot and we think that there's specific ways to go about it and we try to do it. But for me, I personally was finding that I would like get self-love and then it would like go back to zero, then I would get it, then it would go back to zero. And I think what was life-changing was to realize that I have this much capacity for love, but I was only using this much of it for my, like this a very little amount for myself because it was tied, the rest of it was tied up in everyone else in my life. I was putting my worth on how they interacted with me, if they reciprocated as much as I did and stuff like that. So even just realizing I'm way too attached and I need to practice non-attachment, which is another cliche I've heard a lot, but it finally made sense. That was like my aha moment. So I have had quite a few aha moments in my life about my own worthiness. And I think it's not just, like, having one for me personally and um, maybe for other people as well because I feel like there's always more to heal and there's always more room to grow. And we're always having experiences that are kind of layering on each other and we're always able to reach back further down into those experiences of the past and we're always having new stuff come up, right? So my first aha moment Um, the biggest one I would have to say started when I was 16 and, um, and it was really kind of powerful because I was in such a low place. I was having suicidal thoughts. And so at that point it was kind of like life or death for me. Um, and I mean, the moment I, I I actually remember exactly where I was (laughs) and this is, you know, I'm 26, so this was 10 years ago now. I was in a, a parking lot of my high school, and I remember I had some thoughts that, like, we don't even need to talk about, but they were not good. And I remember being like, I don't want to think this kind of stuff anymore. So it was like, in that moment, I was choosing that I I wanted to have, I wanted to steer myself toward wanting to live, and that meant getting help. It meant that I was... I decided that I was worth getting help. And over time, I've had those experiences over and over and over again. You know, a little under a year ago, I had a moment where, and it's not always, it doesn't always have to be like, probably the most powerful ones for me have been um, sometimes triggered by hard things, but they've also been triggered by moments of seeing other people succeed or seeing 
like having moments of joy in my own life. Like another hard one had to do with my, my father had a health scare and it made me realize that I wanted to change career paths and I wanted to have flexibility to be close to my family and just feeling like I was worth that because my life is short and, and my family's lives can be short. Um, but then there's been also aha moments of worthiness and like having a friend who loves what she's doing and is freaking killing it and seeing her do that and then talking about my dreams and hearing her say like, yeah, you can freaking do that. Like if I can do it, you can do it. Just take little steps like you can do it. So those are like powerful aha moments of worthiness from places of joy. So my most recent aha moment was not that long ago, I was doing, um, I took a breathwork class and that's like a yoga practice where you're led through manipulating your breathing and it can, it can bring up a lot for you. Um, and like, if you haven't, if you haven't addressed any trauma that you may be holding on to, it can bring that up. Um, but it can also be a really joyful experience too. So I had this really powerful, joyful experience where I had, I had these ideas about the kind of teacher that I wanted to be. Like I wanted to create a class around worthiness and I'd been kind of putting it off and making excuses for myself. But I realized during that breathwork session that, that I was just putting it off because I didn't feel worthy yet. <laughs> and just realizing that, you know, a lot of our worthiness is not necessarily because we're not ready for the things that we want to do because we're never really fully ready for anything. You know what I mean? Like in our own minds and our own hearts, we're always kind of like, ah, just stumbling through life. Like, <laughs> let's try this. Yeah. But we just kind of have to go for it, you know, and just know that we'll le keep learning along the way. And that's worthiness. That's true worthiness, knowing that you're not perfect. It's not this like crazy self-confidence. It's like, I'm the best, like everybody else is the worst. You know, it's like just that's knowing that we're just trying the best we can yeah. all along the way and going for the things that we want. So those are my moments. That's something that I've been realizing, especially with my podcast is I'll set up an interview or even I'll record an episode while I'm feeling super inspired and then I'll just edit it and publish it at the same time. But then like an hour into like having released it, I'm like, no, should I delete it? Maybe it's this, maybe it's to that. Or I get so nervous about the interviews that I feel like canceling or rescheduling. And, you know, it's, um, it's just realizing that our thoughts and the fears and doubts are always going to be there because the ego is always trying to talk at you and keep you down. It's just, um, pushing through that and even if pushing through that means you know just keeping a podcast episode out because for some it could be like it's already out so what's the problem <laughs> for me it's because yeah. it's, it's so easy to go onto the app and like hit unpublish or delete so I know I know and it's just yes yeah, that I used to be such a perfectionist <laughs> so like I totally get that and per, being a perfectionist is like for me, I took pride in it, you know, and I was like, like, my grades are so high and like things like that. But really, I was just terrified. So, yeah, I used to be like, it's just a part of my DNA. Everyone in my family's type A about stuff. But yeah, that's why I think it's like, no, but I'm just actually clinging to control because I can't like loosen my grip and just allow life to do what it wants to do. Like, yeah, and or I like I care too much 
what people think about me. So, yeah, and I think yeah. the perfectionist of emotions would be anger, just because it gives you that semblance of control, because it's easier yeah. to handle grief and all the other ones they kind of take over you whereas anger is like oh okay I got this I can do this and I can do that and I can hurt this person and whatever yeah it's like clinging to power yeah but really we're powerless (laughs) well we're not powerless but like there's stuff we can control and there's stuff we can't control and most of what we control can control has to do with us everybody else can't control them can't control the planet but we can control our own thoughts and our own actions. So, and a lot of times that affects others and the planet. So it sounds so counterintuitive sometimes that, you know, we're so we're, I guess, suffering because we are such control freaks, but then saying that like letting go at a time, one time seemed to me like giving up when it's not, it's actually just acceptance. It is. Yeah, exactly. Like, Yeah, and I think, too, you know, like, letting go and acceptance and all that is super important, but also I think there's this, like, there's this, there's this big fear in our society of, like, giving up and of failing, but I think we should look at, like, giving up and failure in a different way. If we kind of turn it on its head and look at the good sides of all of it, that's learning and that's gross. Like you can't, some of the biggest lessons and some of the biggest moments of clarity in our life come from when we try something and we realize it's not for us. That's true. There's this one saying that I really love and it's when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. And you kind of have to gather up experiences of like, like you have to date people to figure out, you know, (laughs) some people are pretty lucky and figure out, maybe first time around who they want to be with the rest of their lives but other people you kind of have to like filter it out and like figure out you know oh I don't want someone who's like that or like oh that's a definite no you know and same thing with like your career people are supposed to know exactly what they want to do for the rest of their lives when they're like 17 years old I have definitely filtered through so many career ideas. I mean, when I was 13, I was like, you know what? I want to go to this university, and then I want to go to that law school, and then I want to work in this big city, and I want to be, like, on partner track by age 30. And (laughs) by age 21, I had started and stopped a finance degree and started and stopped a law degree, so very different from what I had planned out and and it's like we're conditioned to feel bad about it you know like we're conditioned to be like feel like we have as soon as we try something we have to stick with it and that's not true especially when we're that young like in today's day and age and like thanks to the internet and all of our crazy amount of opportunities we have a lot of young people have a lot of opportunities to just try stuff out and you can, you can like, you can travel the world for next to nothing because you can volunteer in workplaces. You can try different jobs. You can try different areas of education. Yeah. And I think this kind of comes back to control in the sense that you really don't know what life's going to throw at you. Because if it had been perfect, I would have been, like, almost finishing law school by now. (laughs) But it wasn't. And I'm here. And 
while it was hard and I definitely did have guilt around that, that like, oh my God, I didn't finish a degree, but I spent four whole years in school and all of these things. Now that I've worked through it, I'm actually glad where I am. Like, I like that I'm doing this. Yeah, sometimes following a path is going to be hard up front because you're having to face you're having to like really step outside your comfort zone and maybe face things that you've been repressing and maybe feeling like you're going to like let some people down or you're going to lose some people in your life because you have to move or you have to like whatever. And, but like ultimately we have to still do that path because otherwise we're just going to have regret and that's our life is short and it's precious, you know? Yeah. Well, pain and trauma has taught me worth in terms of what I am and am not willing to put up with now. You know, you've just, you've been through so much, like you've been through one extreme that when you've come out the other side, you're just like, you don't care about like the little kind of petty things and you just know that, you know what, I don't need this kind of nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. I totally feel that too. Like... I'm like, I don't, yeah, I just don't put up with a lot of stuff that that either A, I used to put up with, or B, I saw my family putting up with. Like, and we do have a choice in it sometimes. We can leave relationships. We can leave physical spaces. Um, at least when we, you know, like, at least when we get to a certain age, sometimes we don't have control over the trauma that happens to us. Um, but sometimes when it comes to things that are more like drama and people trying to like bring us down and like stuff like that, we, we do have control over how we're, how we react and who and what we let into our space. Yeah, especially even with friendships. I used to, um, you know, be afraid of meeting new people or um, maybe reconnecting with people in the past very much from a protection point of view of like, you know, I I haven't had healthy friendships and I'm scared and I don't want to be hurt. Whereas now it's very much because I deserve better than to let myself just like with every new person I meet be like, oh my gosh, hey, let's be best friends, you know? So now when I meet a new person, I'm like, okay, hey, cool. It was interesting interacting with you I mean I don't say that out loud that's in my head (laughs) and then the next time I see them if I do see them then you kind of just go from there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's how it works it's powerful kind of realizing that you know Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on about worthiness I think it's like self-love in the sense that it's not a constant state right Mm mm-hmm yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind. Of, it goes hand in hand with self love for sure. Like, like self love for me. Um, there's like an easy form of self love, and there's like the hard form of self love. And I think the hard form is what's most important. It's the same thing with relationships. Like everything's great when it's easy and you're getting along, but what really matters is if you have the grit to make it through the tough times. So self-love is like, yes, it's like giving yourself bubble baths and doing things that are fun, 
but it's also knowing having this like built up knowing that it's going to be okay when times are hard and being easy on yourself like if you need to take a day off if you need to get help for your mental health being kind and compassionate toward yourself when you don't feel like it um worthiness is kind of the same thing like it's it's something self-love is like the action of showing that love toward yourself um where worthiness is maybe more of it's something that we all have we're basically born with it you know like we're born into this incredible planet and universe where things just kind of naturally work out you know like of course humans have kind of like shifted the whole environmental <laughs> working out <laughs> stuff but we, we don't have to go into that right now but like i'm looking out my window right now it's raining okay so like the plants are getting the water and the nutrients that they need and it just naturally kind of cycles back up and i think that for humans it's supposed to be the same way we're supposed to fit into this this natural cycle of everything working the way it should of us sharing and giving to each other. And, but we, we've, we've come to this place where we're, our society is controlled by fear. And that is why we feel the need to have wars and the need to, that is why there are starving children and people who are not having everything they need, the food that they need, the water that they need, the resources that they need, the healthcare that they need, it's because of fear. And the same, those are what, that's what holds us back as a society, but that's also what holds us back as individual people. It's our own fear. So if we come again back to our worthiness, knowing that we are safe, we are enough, we are in this natural cycle where things are progressing as they should, and we keep taking the next steps, we all have gifts. And our gifts are the things that we love to do. The gifts are our things that we, that bring us joy and make us feel drunk on light. And that, that usually we're good at these things, you know? But do you ever have this fear that, um, you know, there's so many people out there doing, already doing what you want to do and are successful at it. Um, I definitely have that a lot, but I try to remind myself that, you know what, you as a person, you don't only listen to one musician's music. You don't only read one author's books. So, you know, I try to exactly. say it's the same concept. And there's no one who's doing exactly what you're doing because there's no one that's you. And there's no one that physically can be you and have the same perspective. There's no one who has your DNA, your parents, your grandparents your environment, your life situations. There's no one who has your take on things, whether that be music, art, whether you're a scientist and you're, you're studying important things to help our world. No matter what it is, there's no one who can specifically do it the way you're doing it. And the world is a huge place. And that like comparison game, that's just another form of fear. And that's just another excuse that we use to hold ourselves back. Because really, there's space for all of us. I mean, literally, we're all here. So even exactly. just in the physical yeah. sense. Exactly. One thing with self-worth that I've realized, or just very recently, is I think 
well, okay, this was somewhat of a question, somewhat of a statement. <laughs> um, I used to try to like force the self-worth or the self-esteem work by journaling every day. You know, like three things you're grateful for and, you know, three to four statements of self-esteem. And I w this is when I first started therapy a couple years ago. And it would work initially um, and it would last for all of, you know, I would spend months journaling only to have a good two or three days or maybe even a week of like self-esteem. And then as soon as I had another anxiety attack, it would just all go back to zero. And then I would spend months journaling again, you know, only for that to keep happening. And the journaling wasn't even fun. It was just forcing myself. And then I, then I would forget for five days and I would do it again. Whereas now, after I've done a lot of deeper healing, I've automatically just started doing those exercises that in the past were seemed like torture. Like now I journal every day. I even finished a whole journal in a month. And normally I used to start one and stop and then buy a new one and then stop. So is, um, is there a certain thing that works or, you know, like what has worked the most for you in terms of self-worth and like maintaining it? And yeah. That's such a good question. And I think that comes back to like self-love and being like, we can't, I can kind of say this, you know, because I've been through it, but a lot of times we don't see it until we kind of go through it, but it's totally normal to start and stop and have days where you like don't do anything and down days and things like that. And it's, it, it's a process of, and especially when you first start and you're cleaning out a lot of cobwebs you have to have a lot of grace with yourself because there's going to be a lot of days where it's super hard and it's going to take a lot of time. Like I'm kind of at this place now where I've done freaking so much of this work that, that I can just, I can kind of tell when I'm starting to slip into that place. And I, I just have tools that I know will redirect it. And I just don't let that momentum get going, but I also have space in my life. Like I work from home. I work for myself so I can kind of stop everything and be like, I'm going to take a bath for an hour or like, I'm going to go journal, which is really a huge, huge blessing in my life. But it's, I mean, it's a huge blessing, but it's also something that I had to work my butt off for and like go through a lot of fear to get to. But for me, the things that work most, And I think sometimes you do have to make yourself do it, honestly. Like, I think there is there is a lot of that's, – that's showing up for yourself, making yourself do the stuff that you know will help you feel better even if you don't feel like it. And once you kind of have enough data collected up, up that you're like, okay, I know if I go and journal for like two pages that I'll feel better, or I know if I do this meditation that I'll feel better, it'll make you want to do it. You know, so then it's not like you're dragging yourself to do these things that are good for you. You're like, I want to feel better. And I know this is going to make me feel better. A hundred percent. So for me, I meditate every day. If I don't do anything else, I'm going to meditate. Like if I don't do any of my other self-care stuff, I meditate. Um, journaling is right there behind meditation <laughs> it's been huge for me oh my god huge um getting fresh air is big um i love my sleep schedule like <laughs> i get really thrown off if i like i love waking up early i just know i mean 
this has been one for me recently that I've been like, am I just being controlling here? But like, I love waking up early. So I, I do try to do that. But every once in a while, if I'm like traveling or something's off, I'll, I'll sleep in and I'll be like, no. And then, (laughs) but recently I kind of had a breakthrough with that being like, it doesn't matter, girl, just like (laughs) go easy on yourself with that. Um, but I do like waking up early. I enjoy it. So I do it. Um, I, I love movement. So I, I dance a lot and I also, you know, do like yoga asana. Um, it just feels good. And those are my biggest ones. Food is a form of self-love for me. I, I love cooking. It's fun. And I just love, I, I've been eating, you know, like I'm vegan and I eat mostly like whole foods. And I just know that that feels really good in my body. And I know when my body feels good, that my mind feels good too. So yeah, those are the biggest ones. Even the ones um, where some days it feels like you're forcing yourself to do it. Is that like forcing bad or is it just like part of the process and some days you have to do it even if you don't want to because for me it felt now that I do it more naturally looking back it felt like I was very much well faking it Mm. that's a hard one because it can kind of go a few ways like if you're doing it because you feel guilty and you're talking down to yourself while you're doing it being like "Mm, I didn't journal today I'm such a you know you know, like, then that's not really healthy. And that's not really helping anything. But if you can kind of start to slowly catch that kind of thinking, which takes a lot of time. um, And every time you catch yourself thinking, like putting guilt on yourself for not doing your, your practices for not doing the things that you know, will take care of yourself. Um, just coming back to, to that compassion for yourself over time, you can shift it into it being more of a, more of a wanting to do it because you know, it's going to help you. And then once you really get that thought going in your head versus feeling guilty for not doing it because like the people on Instagram are doing it or because your therapist told you to do it. And if you don't, you're going to have to go to therapy and tell them you didn't do your journaling and you don't want to do that. Like if you can slowly start to shift it to be like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself because I know it feels good. And then you get to the point where you wake up in the morning, you're like, here's my journal. And you're like so excited to do it. It just takes, it's a gradual process. I'm kind of at that point now. Like I have my morning routine that I like to do. It's not like super strict every day, but my Mm -hmm. most recent favorite thing to do is like pull a card so much so that I'll be, I won't even have my glasses on and I'll be like, but wait, let me go brush my teeth first. I'm like, no, fuck it. Let me pull a card. Like it's literally sitting. (laughs) I have it sitting right next to my bed. That's how often I use it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, I think it'll get to that point where it's like, these things are fun, you know, because they make you feel good, like, and it, it's fun to feel good, like, it's good to feel good, you know, like, we deserve to feel good, so um, it just takes time. 
Yeah. Patience. In the beginning, like, even with the cards, I had no idea what I was doing. And then in the middle, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, universe, I actually already know what I want, but I just want you to, like, reaffirm it. So then I would pick up the card. And when it would tell me exactly what I was already thinking, I was like, ooh, aligned magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then, like, it, it gets, like, exciting. And you're yeah. like, and then that's why, like, when, when shit goes down, I'm just like, like, it sucks, and I feel it, but then I'm like, it's going to be fine, because everything's always fine, and eventually, like, it'll just keep being fine until I just die, so I might as well enjoy it while I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing I like to think about. I'm like, I just remind myself, well, I'm just going to keep going. Everything's just going to be fine until I die. Like, because I am so lucky. Like, I have food. I have shelter. Like, everything's fine, okay? You know? Like, yeah. It's the little thing. It's the little It really is, honestly. Like I've been able to find, uh, like, so much joy in the little things, even just going to the beach and, like, seeing the pelicans. Like, today I was at the beach in the morning. It's my favorite self-care practice. And I saw the birds, and I actually was like, hi, birds, and, you know, hi, ocean. And it's so silly, but... The, in the past, I would have never even noticed. You know, I would just go to the beach and be like, oh, okay. But now I spend the entire time, like, staring at the ocean. Like, oh, my God, it's so gorgeous. And I want to yeah. take photos, not because I want to post it on Instagram, but because it's so pretty. It's like I have to remember this. Yes, and that is the magic of, like, realizing that you are a part of this incredible universe that is just, like, all functioning together. Like, like being present and looking at the waves, going in and out, the tide, the moon, the moon's gravitational pull on the earth and like vice versa. They're like shifting the water around. Like it's insane. It's freaking insane. Magic. Don't ask me about pregnancies because I will literally just like freak out. We grow life inside our body. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. <laughs> It's become so normal, a lot of these things, that I think we as humans have overthought so much, we've become robots. Because I've recently had experiences where I've decided or tried to be more vulnerable or other things, and it's been about humanizing myself and other people. And then even realizing the fact that we have to humanize humans, it just makes it sound so messed up. Like, when did we stop being human? Yeah, when it, we stopped being human, when well i don't i don't know the answer to this question but i'm just gonna say that like we used to be so connected to each other we did and we're we're kind of starting to get that back in ways like we can connect to each other through you know the internet and through you know but but our in-person connection and our presence with each other used to be super strong you know we really relied on each other yeah it's so much harder now like, I freak out. <laughs> it's just going to some people I've met a thousand times, and they're like family, but I'll go on the way there three times. I'll find an opportunity to be like, wait, I can just turn around now. It's okay. I'll just yeah. go and take my makeup off and get into my pajamas. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah, we've, like, put ourselves in these little, like, cocoons where we're, like, surrounded by, like, TVs and phones. And it's interesting, like, one thing that I found super, super interesting that people ask me, because, like, I have an online presence. I do a lot of my work online, like, social media, podcasting, things like that. And people have asked me before, like, does that make you less social? I'm like, no, I'm actually more social. It's really weird. Like, like my friendships are deeper. I am 
more comfortable around strangers and people I don't know. I'm like 100% comfortable walking up to people and be like, I don't know you, but like, let's be friends. You want, and that's, that is not who I used to be. I was literally diagnosed with social anxiety and like took anxiety medication because I was so freaked out to be around people. That was not me at all. And it's like, the more I've just opened myself up and allowed myself to be seen. And part of that has been through the internet, the more I've been like, totally okay. And realizing too, that everybody's going through the same stuff in different ways. everybody's afraid everybody doesn't want to lose their family everybody like you know like needs to make money everybody wants to have a career that they love everybody wants to help others everybody everybody's going through the same stuff just in different ways a lot of people have it a lot harder than we do a lot of people have it a lot easier than we do but but we can all still connect with each other. And when we connect with each other, that's how we can share our resources and help each other. Yeah. So We're so desperate for connection, but then we also fear it so much. I mean, I went through a phase where the loneliness was so intense. I would like have plans to go out and do things. But then for some reason, I would feel lonely. And so then I would not go because of the loneliness. It, it would make no mm-hmm. sense. It reminded me yeah. of, I think the first time we actually chatted properly was when I was randomly just like, hey, can we be friends? <laughs> or yes, I remember that. That was so good. I was like, look at you. You go. Like, that's how you do it. That's and it was literally because I had seen you post a story about how you make friends with people on the internet. It was the awkwardest thing ever. I was like, is it lame if I say this? <laughs> And no, and it's like the more you do it, you the more you're like, oh, that wasn't lame at all. So then you kind of start to build that self confidence. You like, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, you know. So it all works out. Yeah, it all works out. You just gotta do stuff that's scary. You mentioned your um, your dance videos. It's not at all a question. This is just me saying that they're super cool. Like the, especially the first one you posted. I was like, oh my god. That looks fun. And and then for some reason, I deluded myself into thinking it would be easy. So I gave it a go. And then I realized I don't have that kind of flexibility. <laughs> that was oh. a major ouch moment. Well, okay. So anyone can dance. Like anyone, literally anyone, you know, like you can dance in your own way. So for me, like, I've been a dancer for years, like, um, ballet, I've taught ballet for years, um, other forms of dance. So that goes back to like, I, it's fun, but you kind of have to like, do it in your own fun way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's like letting go of control, dropping comparisons, all that kind of stuff. And just enjoying the best watching watching my favorite dancers they look so good because not just based on what they're doing and like how high their legs going and their technique all of that's great but if they are not in it if they're not just filling it and moving and going with the flow and connected you know like then you're not going to enjoy watching with them because you're not going to make that emotional connection yeah, I tried to like be cool and do like a mix of like yoga, but like do it really fast so it looked like a dance. So I tried to go from like tree pose to like 
warrior three to high lunge to something, but my knee would end up collapsing somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it was so bad. And then other times when I've just like had the music on and rocking it out, I'm literally like spinning in circles till I'm dizzy. So that's more fun, but it doesn't at all. Yeah, it's all about fun. It yeah. really is. Like, like there's this, there's this woman who tagged me. I wish I remember her handle so I could like be like, Hey, that was awesome. But she, she took these stories of herself dancing and posted them on Instagram. And she was literally like, like doing like ballet stuff, but like she kicked the wall. Like at one point she kind of fell down, but she was like laughing at herself hysterically. You know what I mean? Like she was feeling it sometimes and like get into it. And then she'd like totally just like do something crazy. Like clearly just like having a ball and I watched it literally 3,000 times. I counted. It took me four days to watch that 15 seconds over and over again. Okay, that's not true. But I did watch it a ton just because she was having so much fun. It had nothing to do with how she looked or what she was doing. It was just, like, her joy and her laughter. Just, like, I felt it. And it made me joyous and laughy, you know? Yeah. Like, it was great. Even the ones so where great. people were dancing with their dogs. Those were cool. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, yeah, my friend Miranda has this huge um, Great Dane. Mm. And she she posted a story of, like, her dancing with her Great Dane. It was so cute. I love it. Yeah, it's just like, you know, we're all – that's another thing. We're all silly. And we're all we, – we all don't want to show it. We're all like, no, I'm serious. I am – I am a, like, I'm a business person and I am a mom and I am whatever I am. I have all of these things going on and I'm stressed and like, you know, and we wear like busyness, like a badge, you know, people say that all the time, but it's true. And really we're all just a bunch of kooks running around or a bunch of nut, nut cases, you know, we're all silly. Yeah. I have one quirk, which is so random. Any, for some reason... From when I was a kid, I like the word potato. So whenever I feel awkward, I just talk about, so do you like potatoes? And people think I'm nuts, <laughs> but I just bring it up. Do you have any quirks like that? Have you ever had a latke? Am I saying that right? I'm not even sure. I don't even know. Yeah. What that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all silly. Also, potatoes are really great. So, <laughs> that's a good quirk to have. This one time, that reminded me of something, this, this is totally random, but this one time, this is like a couple months ago, I was wearing this big sweater, and I also love potatoes, and I found this little gif that was like, I'm a potato, and I had this potato, and it was so cute, and so I put the little thing on my picture, I took like a mirror picture of me and my big sweater, and was like, I'm a potato, and so many people messaged me, and they were like, oh, you're not a potato, don't say that about yourself, and I was like, I'm cute. This potato's cute. Potatoes are cute. I'm not talking down about myself in relation to a potato. I'm saying something good because I love potatoes. How, how is potato an insult? Like, I don't get it. I don't know. I thought it was adorable. I just like potatoes, too. They're good. They're amazing. You can do so many things with them. Oh, man. You can hash brown them. We can have, like, a bubba moment, you know? Like, you can hash brown them, you can tater tot them, you can make fries, you can make mashed potatoes, you can turn into shepherd's pie, you can bake potato, you can do a trice baked potato, there's even sweet potatoes, you can do a lot of things with sweet potatoes. 
know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that even anyone's brain would go, she says, I'm a potato, and then automatically a negative connotation to it is just surprising to me. Okay, I'm like, you need to address your relationship with potatoes right now. You have clearly have a very unhealthy relationship with potatoes. Okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. I'm glad, I'm so glad that everyone is gaining so much wisdom from this conversation. I swear. You are welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> Just rerouting a little bit. <laughs> No, I love it. How scary was it for you to start your business? Oh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's still terrifying. I'm telling you. It's still, yeah, it was, it's, yeah, but now I'm kind of used to it. I'm like, well, just got to do that scary thing. Like literally today, today I am hiring a woman to help me with like figuring out more of like business systems and stuff. So like, I'm very like, you know, I talk a lot about like spirituality, meditation, compassion, stuff like that. I also like, I have a lot of technical skills, but I'm, but I wanted to find someone who could help me, you know, with setting up things like emails and like, there's all of these systems we have to have in place to make a business actually work. Like we can have the idea, but ultimately we have to have like the stuff to back it up. And so I'm like hiring this woman to help me and, you know, like it's an investment and it's terrifying, <laughs> you know, it's terrifying. Like it was terrifying to leave my job. It was, it's every time I put out like a new thing, there's a little voice in my head that's like, nah, what are you doing? You know, but it goes again and again to me. Now I'm just like, Hey, you know, and it gets less and less scary. It really does. The more you just kind of keep doing it, you just slowly build your confidence and you just know the process. You know that stuff is always going to come up. There's always going to be that little voice of fear that's trying to keep you small and safe and whatever, but it really is actually doing the opposite. So yeah, terrifying is the answer, but you just, you just do it anyway. But what about even if it comes down to um, like, you know what you want to do and you know that it's going to help people but you get caught up in the technical, like, but what if, how do I find a venue? Or what if I don't have access to these materials or that kind of stuff? Or is it just, just put it out there and start because imperfect is better than never doing it for fear of not getting to perfect. It's both. So for me, what I've kind of realized over time is that sometimes I've wanted to do something and I didn't have the resources available. Like I didn't have the time or the location or whatever. So it didn't work out. But then later something came up and it did work out in a way that it never would have before. Part of it's patience, really, honestly, part of it's patience and trusting that if you just keep giving your heart and your soul to the world, that things will work out for you in the way that they should. The other part is taking that imperfect action. So we're never going to have everything fully put together 100%. That's just, everybody knows that. You know, it's like that thing that everybody knows, but somehow that fear still controls us. Like, don't we all know that nothing's perfect by now? Clearly we don't. <laughs> you know? 
So, and we just have to keep doing, we just kind of have to keep doing it and keep trying and keep building on everything and just keep, keep on keeping on, you know, and <laughs> trusting that it'll all work out. Cause I've had this idea that's been rolling around in my head for maybe almost two years. I mean, it was just a basic concept a couple years ago, Ugh, words, <laughs> years ago, <laughs> but it's, it's getting more and more clear in the last three or four months, but then I keep coming up with some excuse. I'm like, okay, but I'm still like healing. I'll do it later. Or sometimes it's like, but I don't know where I'm going to find this or that. And then other times it's like, literally, if you see my journals over the last few months, it's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then I'll write down a whole list of all the things I want to do and how I'm going to do it. And then the journal will finish and months will pass and it'll move on. And then I'll get the idea again. And then I'll make the list all over again and just on and on like that. Yeah, sometimes we have to take the first steps, the first, like, actions to build our confidence. Sometimes we have to do stuff before the confidence is there. Yeah, and then maybe once you do it and it goes well, then you're like, okay, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, what was I doing all along, you know? And, and sometimes things don't work out the way you did, but you can't dwell in it. You can't dwell in it. You can be like, oh, this is giving me more clarity. Let's pivot. Always thinking about solutions, not dwelling in what went wrong. Always thinking and finding that gratitude for what does go wrong and figuring out how that can make you better for next time. Yeah, and we were talking about cliches earlier. There's this one about how failure is a successful person's something. Like I even have it on a sticky note. Somewhere here, let me go find it. <laughs> uh, here we are. Okay. Failure is a successful person's process of elimination. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I just became, you know, we were talking about like my career, my business, and I really just started it like seven months ago and even since then I failed so many times <laughs> but at least in my own head you know what I mean but that really is just you always kind of have to keep reminding yourself and in order to remind yourself you have to surround yourself with people who inspire you because they will tell you yeah I screwed up a ton but that helped me learn <laughs> you know yeah it's just hard for me because I'm at this place where um, I recently shifted from survival to living mode. And, you know, yeah. you, you get yeah. really – when you're in survival mode, you're just – you don't care. You don't have the capacity. You know, you haven't interacted with humans in two years and you don't have any friends and you don't give a shit. And then suddenly you're in this place where all your other human needs, other than the basic ones, are coming back. And I got hit with so much loneliness and it's so easy to fall into those desperate patterns of latching on to anyone and anything. But for me, I've been trying to, like I said before, just the self-worth of, you know, healthy friendships and creating healthy boundaries and, you know, give and take and not just give 100% and set that unhealthy precedent. But it is lonely in terms of I want not just fun friendships, but I guess the deeper ones, but also the ones where you have people who support you. But 
I don't exactly know how to go about finding those friends. So it's uh, also worthiness for me is to just know that I'm in a space where it'll come when it comes, I guess. Yes. Yes. And like you knowing that is so huge because like, I'm, oh my gosh, girl, I have been there. I know what you mean. So like, yeah, when you are just kind of shifting, when we're first starting to do this kind of work to reconnect to ourselves, there's a lot more murkiness around us, right? So it takes a lot more energy to drag ourselves through to get to that light, you know? For sure. To like, to get to get off those feelings of low self-worth, of fear, of whatever is holding us down, those experiences, the trauma that is layered over top of us that is making us feel heavy. It takes a lot of energy to get out of it. So when we're having these 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 new realizations they're going to be profound because we are breaking through when we when we slowly start to get to the higher the higher levels of like you know when we've done a lot of work and we have this built-up foundation of of practice that where we can like look at our trauma and look at our experiences and they don't they don't mess with our heads as much anymore they don't you know we're we understand our thought processes a lot better. Our realizations are less profound. They're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, okay. Versus being like, boom, I'm worth having a good friend. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, I don't deserve to be treated like shit. Wow, like, it's not like that anymore, you know? So like, it takes a lot of energy and we have to come back again and again to being patient with ourselves. And having that compassion for ourselves and being like, damn, I'm just going to need a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of space. And that's okay. Yeah, I definitely go through those phases where I'm like doing really good and doing all the things. And then after four days of like being on such a high of productivity and everything, I'll just hit not a low, but just tired. You know, I'm constantly finding myself in therapy crying that I'm so tired. And before it used to be, you know, tired of being in pain, but now it's just the good kind of tired. Like I'm doing all of those, all of this deep soul work and I love it, but like, dang, it's hard. (laughs) And you even have to hold space for the emptiness, you know, you can't just be like, okay, I'm gonna go and fill my cup up because sometimes you just have to hold space for the fact that you feel empty and your body will give you this ping of like, okay, I've rested. Now you can start filling me up again. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of will slowly get into a rhythm. Like there are always going to be down times. There are always going to be down days. There's always going to be periods of life where stuff happens and it's going to be hard. But if we can again and again come back to being compassionate with ourselves and being like, okay, this is a period of time where I need to take care of me where my mental health and my survival has to be put first and being able to communicate that clearly to your, your relationships, the people in your, your life, you know, maybe even telling your, the people you work with that you're going through a hard time. Honesty. Yeah. Helps a lot. Honesty, because then people can actually be there for you and give you the space you need and you don't feel guilt. Yeah. And like, does that also come with 
um, you know, not apologizing as much and making excuses. Because I've noticed in the past, yeah. I used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I couldn't make it and I'm sick and da da da. And it felt like I was always saying I'm sick. Whereas now I just say, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, commit to this today. I'm having a rough day and that's it. You know, I try not to even, yeah. and I, and then I automatically just throw in a thanks for understanding. So it just covers yeah. all the bases and it's not about, you know, trying to, I guess, prove yourself to somebody or begging for forgiveness when really it's a normal thing to ask of somebody like, hey, can we reschedule? Yeah, exactly. And that's totally fine if you're like, if you're going through something, like I remember, I'll give an example. The last couple months at my job, I had a lot of fear because like my dad was having heart problems. And there were some days at work, you know, where I was not my best self. Like I would literally like have moments of crying at work. And I was just super honest with there was specifically one person, my supervisor, who I, I told him everything that was going on. You know, I was having to drive home most weekends, which is like a seven-hour drive there, seven-hour drive back. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was just honest with him every step of the way. And he was so supportive and kind to me because of it, because of my honesty. You know, there was a few days where I was like, okay, I'm like not getting anything done because I'm like a mess. So I'm just going to like, is okay if I go home an hour early, I'll come in an hour early tomorrow and actually, you know, be productive. And that way we can have space for ourselves and people can support us. And like, I don't even work there anymore, but like, I still talk to my supervisor because because of my honesty and my transparency with what was going on. I wasn't just like, not getting my work done, not telling anyone, shutting down, pushing people away, and then being like, well, she's not a good worker, she's not, she's like quitting, whatever. Like, I was just really honest and clear with them, and they were, they were really supportive and really kind, and we are on good terms because of it. Like, honesty and communication, it's like, <laughs> another, another thing that's so, so simple, but so important and that's just another level of worthiness, I think, if we think about it, that, you know, you're mm -hmm. worthy of allowing others to hold space for you. It is like receiving support. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say another thing I heard recently. Um, this was OK. So I heard a podcast from Elizabeth D'Alto. I love her. If you love podcasts, listen to her podcast, Elizabeth Dialto. It's called Truth Telling. But she had this whole episode about um, receptivity, so like receiving. And she talked about how if we're not good at receiving, we're not as good at giving as we think we are. Like a lot of times, and it's yeah. the look on your face right now, right? Like <laughs> I was like, oh, like, um, yeah, because I'm sitting here thinking that I'm always the giver, but fair enough. But then you get resentful and you're like, yeah. why aren't they giving back to me? But then really you're blocking the giving because like everybody gives in their own ways. And like, yeah, yeah, like part of receiving is saying what you need. You can't be open to receive what you're looking for if you don't communicate that yeah 
Like, people are not psychics. We feel like we make it very obvious, but apparently we don't. We, yeah, we don't. Nobody knows. Everybody's doing their own thing. You know, everybody's in their own heads all the time, so. And this brings us to the end of our episode with Melissa Moffat. And thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.